How are we doing tonight? I tell you, it's a real joy to be here with you. It's always like coming home when I come here. So tonight I want to share about, uh, actually I'm not going to tell you the, message, the name of the message. I'm going to tell you that later, I think, because uh, that will give away some of the answers. Now I like to be a little bit, you know, just relaxed and informal, so you guys are going to have to be involved. I'm going to ask questions, and when I ask a question, it's not just a rhetorical question. You're supposed to sit there and just wait for me to tell you the answer. You're supposed to be involved and to, to help me with this. And if you want to get out of here tonight, you're going to have to help. So, okay. So, um, my message tonight is directed especially towards fathers. And especially just this has been stirring in my heart so much because of the bar mitzvah. And it's all about welcoming our young men, my, my son, into the community of men. And as fathers, that this is, this is something that we're called to do as fathers. How many people in here are fathers? We got a lot of fathers in here. We have a lot of kids in this congregation. I, this is a blessed place. You know that? Children are a blessing from the Lord. Did you guys know that? Did you, guys, you didn't know that? Yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> Children are a blessing. We got a very blessed area over here. We've got a lot of young people here. But this is a sign of the blessing of God, the favor of God. And for fathers, you know, being a father is such an awesome responsibility. It's such an incredible calling. And for many of us, maybe we weren't fully prepared for the job ahead of time. I mean, I grew up, uh, I had an amazing father. I, had, he, I thought he was just, and I still do, I think he's the coolest person in the world. Uh, a great dad, but he was not a believer. And um, so he didn't know the ways of the Lord. He didn't know the ways of the Bible, how to raise me up, how to train me to be a father one day. There's a lot of things in Jewish culture that does train the young people how to be a father, how to be a man in today's world. How many of you know that in this world we need to tell people how to be a man these days? And that's, that's fathers, that that's, falls primarily on us. You know? but, but what does it take? What is our, what is our job description? As a man, what is our job description? Uh, a lot of us, you know, we get married, you know, we see this beautiful girl, we get married, wow, wedding. Before you know it, we've got a child. It's like, wow, I'm a father. Wow, what do I do? What does it mean to be a father? So my first question is this. What is the job description of a father? What, is, what, is, what are we to do? And this is one of those that you answer, by the way. And there's also like a thousand right answers, okay? What? We model. Yeah, we model, we do. Train. Yeah. What else? Mm-hmm. What? I'm sorry? Provide. Yes. What else? We got some? Protect. These are good. Did you guys read my notes? No. What do you guys think? You guys have any ideas? What should a father do? Yeah. Spank their kids if they do something wrong. This man has wisdom. We got some wise people in here as well. This is good. Okay, anything else? Come on, there's a bunch of them. Love. You got it. That's good. Anything else? There's a bunch more. Lead. Yes. Any other here? Over here? Over here? I feel some stirring. The spirit of answering is over here. (laughs) What's our job description? Well, I'm going to share just a couple of them real quick. And number one is love them. Our job as a father is to love our wives, to love our children. 
to love our wife, I'll say. I can, we live actually, you got to be specific in the day and age we live in. Actually, we live in a Muslim village, a very friendly Muslim village that's pro-Jewish in Israel. But Muslims are allowed to have four wives. So in the village that we live, I, I like to be very specific. I have one wife. Love our wives, love our children. Love them, love them, love them. First Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. In other words, shortcomings. Sin is falling short, and as a father, we fall short. I can testify. You know, but if we love our children, it's going to cover a lot of our our shortcomings. If we love our wives, you know what? It covers a lot. Love them. Number one. Number two, pray for them. Pray for them. This is our job as a father. Pray for them. It says that Job was one of the most righteous men who ever lived. And it says regularly he would, in the morning, he'd rise early, and he would offer sacrifices for each of his family members. He would do a blood sacrifice. Now, how many of you fathers in here do a blood sacrifice every day for your children? Well, maybe not. Uh, But how do we apply that as believers today? What can we do as fathers to follow in Job's footsteps? What can we do? Pray. Pray. Pray for each of them daily. He said, if they've sinned, I want to provide for them. I want to cover them. I want to cover their sin. And every day, every... You know, he'd get up in the morning. He would lift them up before the Lord. And this is, this is something that I did from a, when I first became a father. I pray for my kids. I, I try to do it every day. Every day I have quiet time. I pray for my wife. I pray for my children. And I apply the blood of Jesus over them. I break off the attack of the enemy against them every day. Every day. I try to do it every day. I don't always get it. But this is the main thing I pray for. I cover them as a priest. You're a priest of the home, right? You've probably heard that. The husband's the priest of the home. What's that mean? Pray for your children. Pray for your wife. Cover them daily. Lift them up. So number one's love them. Number two's pray for them. Number three is protect them. We had protect over here. Protect them. Create a sanctuary. If you're the priest, make a sanctuary. Make a safe place. Your home should be that sanctuary. It should be a place that your kids love to be. That it's a fun place. It's a place... That they want, they're not always just trying to get away from home as fast as they can to go with their friends, but they love to be at home. You do fun stuff together, but it's also a safe place. It's a place that you protect. And in the day we live in, you have to be very vigilant of what you let into your home. When I was a kid, it was TV that brought in all kinds of garbage. And then cable TV came along. Now I brought in worse garbage. I know, because I fell into it. And today we've got internet. Then they had home computers that brings it into the home. And now we've got phones where everybody's in their pocket. But you decide as the father, what am I going to let into my home? And sometimes you have to make some tough decisions that aren't, maybe aren't so popular. You know what? I mean, some our kids, you know, everybody in their class has smartphones. And we're like, well, sorry. <laughs> you know, when they're young, as they get older, okay. I mean, you know what? We have to train them for it. But uh, you know what? If it's not right, if it's not the time for it, then say, you know what? It's not the time yet. It's not the time. Because there's a lot of stuff out there looking to lay hold of our kids, to grab them and to sink its claws into them for, to get them for life. So love them. Pray, pray for them. Protect them. Number four, impart identity to them. The Father, this is our calling as men to impart identity to them. And... 
you know what? We need to let our young men know you're a man. And we need to let our young women know you are a woman. You will always be a woman. You know what? Some of this stuff is a little silly to say, but I mean, it's, it's all over. It's cra- the craziness. Ten years ago, I mean, it was bad ten years ago. There's always perversion and stuff. But now, it's like now they can't even decide how many bathrooms to put in places and who goes where and what you call people. And little children can now decide what they are. And you know what? God made it very, very clear, didn't he? Some things are pretty obvious. When the baby's born, what do you say? It's a boy. It's a girl. It's, I don't know. It hasn't decided yet. No, it's a boy. It's a girl. That's all it is. In fact, from the moment of conception, God made this really clear. Do you know that in a girl, every cell in her body has two X chromosomes? Do you know this? Every cell in her body is proclaiming it, shouting it. Every cell in this young man's body has an X and a Y chromosome. Every single cell. doesn't matter what you think or how you feel today. Your body is proclaiming, this is who you are. And do you know what? That is determined at the moment of conception... And it's determined by the part that comes from the father, right? So the, the woman, she provides an X chromosome for this baby that's going to be. The man provides either an X or a Y chromosome. So he is the one, he doesn't decide, but it's his input that determines if it's a boy or a girl. I think that's prophetic also for us as fathers, that we need to be proactive in imparting to our children, you are a man, you are a woman, this is the way it's always going to be. That we impart identity. You are a man. You are a man. You are a man. And we also give him a sense of family identity. You are a singer man. That's our last name. <laughs> You're a singer man. That means we do things a certain way. And like, well, everybody in school is doing that. You know, I don't care. Well, you know, I go to a believing school and they, I don't care. We're singermans. We do things a certain way. When we first came to Israel... Okay, we used to homeschool, and then we got to Israel, and we felt the Lord was leading us to put them in public schools. And they got exposed to a lot of new stuff that they'd never heard of before. <laughs> and they'd come home and tell us about these stuff, this stuff. And uh, I'd say, you know what? They might do that in Israel, but you know what? We're changing that now. We are here, and now not everybody in Israel does that. <laughs> you know? The money that we spend is called a shekel, and it's the NIS, the New Israeli Shekel. But we would tell them, you know what, now that we're here, we're going to raise the NIS. There's a new Israeli standard. We're going to say, you know what, not everybody's doing that. So we're singermans. We say that, don't we? So it's, it's imparting an identity to your children. And, the, and number five, it is instilling destiny in them. We instill destiny. So we speak blessing over our children. This is very much a part of Jewish culture. We bless. We bless our kids every week. But the words that come out of our mouths, especially as fathers, the words that come out of our mouths are powerful, and they affect our children. And we need to watch. When I first became a parent, I had a really hard time with this because, you know, some of the children, they start acting up, they're disobeying, they're not listening. And I'd say, well, they're always, ah, they're always doing this wrong. They're always doing and I had, And God really convicted me and said, you know what, you're cursing our children when we say these things. I'm trying to talk to my wife about some real issues, but the way I was doing it was cursing our children. And I just had to say, you know what? I've got to find a new way to communicate. We can talk about issues, but for the child, for the person we're talking about, I need to bless them and speak God's truth about them. And not just what I see in the behavior, but saying, this is what God says about them. 
They are blessed of the Lord. They're going to walk in the ways of the Lord. All of our children will be blessed and will follow in his ways. So we need to instill destiny by blessing and not cursing. So this is our job description. Second thing I want to bring up is that in Jewish culture, there are several things that kind of help us raise our sons. There are things that are in the culture itself. And um, a lot of these things are missing in the West. It's missing in Western culture in America and other uh, Western countries. Number one, the thing that we have in the Jewish culture is a rite of passage. Like we just saw, a bar mitzvah. We have a rite of passage in which there's a, a time and a place and a ceremony that says, you are going to cross over into the community of men. And this has been largely lost in the West. In fact, like Hollywood movies, stuff like that, if they ever talk about like um, uh, age, uh, like coming of age, things that are about coming of age, usually it has to do with people learning how to be sexually immoral, children growing up and becoming sexually immoral. That's what it means. That's not God's image. That's not his purpose. That's not what his picture is for coming of age. His picture is joining community of believers, being a people of faith. So we have a rite of passage, a bar mitzvah. Number two, there's clear gender identity among Jewish people. Now I'm talking specifically about uh, Jewish religious people, specifically, because there are all kinds of Jews. In fact, Tel Aviv is a big uh, destination for homosexuals. So I'm not saying all Jewish people are this way, but in the culture, in the religious Jewish culture, there's a very clear gender identity. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 11. In fact, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn there because you're not going to believe what it says in here. You might not like what it says in here, but by the time I'm done, I think you're really going to like what it says. This is a pretty tough passage. 1 Corinthians 11, uh, I'm going to read verse 7. This is a tough passage. The whole passage is a little bit tough, and I'm not going to get into the details. I'm going to read verse 7 of 1 Corinthians eleven seven. It says, For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. Hmm. That's a tough verse. Did you guys know that verse was in there? That's a tough one. That's not very politically correct. But I want to talk just for a little bit about this. This verse, I think, has been misused a lot in church history to, make, to put women down. How many people you knew that verse was in there? A lot of people? Okay, good. You guys read your Bibles. I'm in the right place. But I don't believe that's what this verse is saying. But it is saying there's a difference between men and women. It is saying that much. And um, I wanted to just... Just touch on this for for a minute. What is God saying is the difference? The spirit of this age says there's no difference between men and women. There's no difference. There's no difference. There's no difference. The spirit of feminism is trying to say there's no difference. Men are just, women are just like men. They're equal to men. In fact, they're better than men. But as the church, I believe we need to have a real, clear articulation of what it, what a man is and what a woman is. That there is a difference, and it's a good thing. It's a glorious thing. And I think when we talk about this verse, I think it's going to be liberating both for men and for women. Because I think it says something, some really good stuff here. 
So it says that men, what did it say? It said the man is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. So I want to start with the man first. What does it mean that man is the image and glory of God? What, and it's talking about in distinction to woman. It's, it's clearly, the context is, it's talking about difference. So this is one of those questions I want you to think about and answer what your thoughts are. What is, the, what is God's perspective? What is he saying is different about a man that carries the glory of God? What is there about being a man that's distinct from a woman that brings the glory of God? Yeah. If I have the right answer, I'm not kidding because I didn't read the notes. Okay. Um, so maybe it's like how they were created because God created man in his image and then the woman was taken like out of the sight of the man. Good. Yeah, that's good. Stature and strength, the man is stronger, isn't he? The woman is the weaker sex. There's a strength in men. Anything else? This is not an easy passage. This is, this is tough stuff, but it's important, I believe. I think it's central for the church to understand this verse. Yeah. Authority was given to the man. Right? That's very key. In the Bible, God is referred to as Father, right? How many times is he referred to as Mother? Not once, right? God is Father. God is Father. God has made men with an ability to carry the image of the Father in a way that a woman cannot carry the image of the Father. He has uniquely created men to exhibit the Father, the eternal God on earth. Above all creation, man is uniquely gifted and, and created and enabled to carry that picture of the Father. Now, we often fall short, don't we? That's a, that's a pretty high calling especially to my family, that I'm supposed to be the image of God to my family. That means every shortcoming I have mars the image of God. It makes it, it brings it down. It, it corrupts it to my children. It corrupts it to my wife. Now that's a pretty scary thing. Because you know what, I've got a lot of shortcomings. And the funny thing is the older I get, the more I see I was like, boy, I thought I was getting better and better. But I was like, you know, I've, still, I've got a lot of shortcomings. But this is, I believe, is the, the, the ability to carry the heart of Father God to the world that God has uniquely gifted men for. Now I'm going to go to the second half, the woman. What is it saying about woman? It says, uh, but woman is the glory of man. Now, that might not sound very exciting at first, but it is exciting. Woman is the glory of man. So what's that mean? She's second class? No, but it could sound that way. Uh, that she's there just for her men, whatever? No. I think it has to do with something much, much deeper in, the, in, in women. That God has created, so he made a very, very amazing creation, right? He made the Garden of Eden. He made all these things. We just came from Colorado. That was that was beautiful in Colorado. How many people have been to Colorado? 
Rocky Mountains. Ever been to the Rocky Mountains? It was amazing. The mountains were incredible. Beautiful lakes. You would not believe these lakes. They're just incredible. And river streams. Some of the most beautiful things that you can't even imagine. But of all creation, the most beautiful thing, the most um, awesome thing is mankind that he created. And at the pinnacle of mankind is the woman. She is the most beautiful thing in all of creation. She is the height of creation. And there is something in the heart of every female that carries this eternal beauty that is beyond anything of this world. She's the glory of man, meaning the height of all creation, the most beautiful thing. Like we said, men are strong, right? In the Olympics, you know, the men are going to have faster times. That's right. That's why men compete separate from women. There's a strength in men. But you know what? There are not too many beauty contests for men. <laughs> not yet. Praise the Lord. Beauty contests are for women. Right? For since the beginning of time, there's been a lot of perversion in this world, but as far as I know, beauty contests have always been for women. Let's pray it always stays that way. Because there is a beauty in women that is not in a man, no matter how big, strong, you know, impressive he is. But women have a beauty that is it's an eternal, some, almost surreal. It's so powerful that it grips a man. And it convinces them, I want to get married. You know what? God knew it would take that to get through to some of us. And it says, wow. And it is so powerful that many people have fallen because of the beauty of a woman. Many people have, have lost everything over the beauty of a woman. And Satan knows about the beauty in a woman. And I believe in every woman, in every female that God has created... There is this eternal, just uh, indescribable beauty that comes out of their external, if, they'll, if they embrace their femininity, and they'll embrace it, it will, it will be expressed out of them physically more and more. Now, Satan twists it. He perverts it. He uses it. That's why... Pornography is everywhere. That's why there's, uh, he, he causes women to do certain things and dress certain ways and to seduce and to this and to that, to misuse the most powerful thing they've been given. And it's not just a physical beauty. It is the beauty of the heart that a woman carries like no one else in all of creation. And so when it says here, the woman is the glory of man, I believe that is her crown. That's to be proud of. That's to say, this is who I am. I am made to be a passionate follower of God. And when a woman is following God with all of her heart, there's nothing as beautiful as that. And it makes her beautiful. And her beauty affects everyone around her. And uh, everyone, every, every woman in here today, I want you to hear that. And the young ladies as well. That you have a beauty from heaven. You are beautiful in a very unique way. You have a unique facet of the beauty of God, of the eternal beauty of heaven that is expressed through you. God loves you the way you are. He made you the way you are. And you are the crown of his creation. Now, isn't that good? 
Isn't that good? It's not subjugating, but it's saying this is, your, this is the glory I have given you to be the height of my creation. And it's, it's the opposite of feminism. Feminism is out there fighting and saying, in fact, feminism is so off that all, it's the spirit of this age. But it's all they can do is, to, is compare themselves to men. Compare myself to men. Compare myself to men. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove I'm better. I'm going to prove I'm better. And you know what? It's a twist that Satan has. It's, he's, he's, got, he's got a grip on the world through this spirit of feminism. So anyway, all that to say. Clear gender identity. As the church, we need to be able to speak to the world and say there is a difference. There is a difference. And it's a glorious thing that God has created. There is a difference. And if you don't feel like you can meet that glory, the glory of man is the father heart of God. You feel like you, you can't meet up to that? I can't meet up to that. But you know what? There's another scripture that says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. I have no hope of being that kind of a father. But the hope of glory is Christ in you. And for a woman, if you feel, you know, you might wake up some morning and you're like, I don't feel like the beauty of creation. You know what? It's Christ in you is the hope of glory. You're going to attain, you're going to exude the beauty of the Lord because of Yeshua in you. So it's all about him in us. So what we're talking about is the things in the Jewish culture that help us to raise up sons. One was a rite of passage. Two is clear gender identity. Number three, a clear community of men that they're brought into. The, the movie Fiddler on the Roof. Has, have people seen this? Some people? Anybody? Fiddler on the Roof. The main character, Rev Tevier, at the beginning, he's explaining about the mamas and the papas and the sons and the daughters. And everyone has their distinct role in society. It's very clear cut. And he makes this statement. It's a very, it's a very uh, clear statement about the significance of it. He says, because of our traditions... Because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. This is what the church should be telling our young people. Everyone knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Instead, our children are going to school and they're healing all kinds of garbage, right? I, remember, I don't remember, five years ago, whatever it was, I heard some headline about Bruce Jenner turning into this, turning into whatever, and I thought it was just National Enquirer, just a bunch of garbage, and you guys know what I'm talking about? And now it's a national phenomenon, and there he's a hero. And Bruce Jenner, when I grew up, he was the man of men, right? Wheaties. He was the one on the Wheaties. Anybody remember this? The Wheaties boxes. Satan says, this is my treasure. He is so proud of this one. I took this man of men, and I've lifted him up as a trophy of all kinds of perversion. You know, that is crazy. We need to be just as loud saying, no. This is who you are to our young people, and this is what God expects you to do. This is what he's created you for. A clear community of men that we call them into. And the last one, things in Jewish culture that help us raise up our sons. Men pray. Men pray. Real men pray. This is what real men do. This is the model put before the young men in Jewish culture. The men are the ones who lead in prayer. They're the ones who bless their children every week. They bless their wife every week. Wife, bless their wife. 
The men lead. Now, sometimes in the church, we don't quite have that same strength. You call a prayer meeting, hopefully not here, but in many churches, you call a prayer meeting and the women all show up. Or you call for the intercessors to rise up, and it's the women or the intercessors. I love that women are intercessors. I love that women come to the prayer meeting. But we need men. We need men to lead in prayer. And to be a bar mitzvah, you learn how to pray. You learn how to say the prayers. You come up in the community of men and say, this is what men do. We pray. That's what the, so that, that's part of Jewish culture. So I want to I close with, with this. This is, okay, I'm going to give you the title of the message now. <laughs> Reflecting the Father heart of God. This is what God has called us to as fathers. Reflecting the Father heart of God. It's an awesome calling. Reflecting the, the Father heart of God. It's something that I don't feel adequate for. Probably at times you don't feel adequate for it. But you know what? God makes us adequate. To be a father, you are called... The, to be the father that you're called to be, you have to be a son. To be the father that you're called to be, you have to first be a son. You have to be connected to the father. You have to know who you are in him. In fact, even Jesus, this was his identity. In John 14, I'm going to turn there. Philip is speaking to Yeshua. John 14. And Philip says to Yeshua, he says, Lord, show us the Father, and that is all we need. Show us the Father. Show us the Father. You know what? There's a world that's crying out to the men today of this generation, saying, show us the Father. Show us God. Show us God, and that'll be enough. Jesus himself said this, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. John 14, where I'm going to pick it up, verse uh, verse 10. If you've seen me, whoever, whoever has seen me, okay, verse 9. Whoever, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? I want to speak this over our men here today. That you are in the Father and the Father is in you. You need to get this into your spirit. You are in the Father and the Father is in you. The heart of the Father. Father God is in you. You are in the Father and the Father is in you. The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. This, we need to get this as fathers. This is the most important thing as a father. That we're connected to heaven, we're spending time with him, and that we know that the father is in me and I am in the father. In fact, every man in here, I want you to say that with you. The father is in me. Say that. The father is in me and I am in the father. The father is in me. And I am in the Father. Let's say it one more time. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. This is how we will reflect the Father heart of God. If you feel inadequate, okay, this is my last one. This one really is my last one. If you ever feel inadequate, this is for the men and the women. If you ever feel inadequate, if you don't feel like you're one with the Father, if you can remember two, three, four, five, six, you're not one. So two, three, four, five, six. Can you remember this? 
I don't feel like I'm one. I don't feel like I'm one with the Father. Two, three, four, five, six. Two Corinthians, chapter three, verses four, five, and six. Okay, you can remember that. This is important. Second Corinthians. Let's turn there. Second Corinthians. We're ending with this. Second Corinthians, chapter three. Verses four, five, six. If you feel inadequate to be the father you're supposed to be, if you feel inadequate to be the woman of God you're supposed to be, the mother, the wife, if you feel inadequate, two, three, four, five, six. Two Corinthians three, verses four, five, six. For such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. But our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient. Our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient. Isn't that good? It is all about Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you want to attain to that glory, men, the glory of the Father is the Father heart of God in you. If you're going to attain to it, it's Christ in you. Your sufficiency is from God. Women, if you're going to be the pinnacle of creation, the beauty, and you're going to use that beauty to influence many people for the Lord, your hope is in Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is how it is. I want you to stand with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. I want to, I want to invite... I want to invite the men to come forward. And I just want to speak a blessing over you, but I want, I want to do it up front. So men, come forward. In fact, young men, if you're, if you're age 13 or up, I want you up here too. This is bar mitzvah age. Bar mitzvah age. And Yochanan, come up to uh, pray. We're going to pray over them. Josiah, you come up too. Bar, bar mitzvah, I want you to join me in praying. Hallelujah. Yeah, go ahead and come on up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Josiah, come on, come on up. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's just let's just close our eyes and lift our lift our hands to heaven and say, Lord, just in your heart. We say, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray you'd come and impart a revelation of the Father, heart of God, of every man in here today. Every man, every young man, we say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, we are not sufficient of this in ourselves. We are not able to carry that image of God the way we need to. But you are making us sufficient. You are making us sufficient. Lord, I pray for an impartation right now. I pray impartation to every male in here today. Every young man. I pray for a vision, a revelation, a passion to be a man of God. To say, I'm going to live for God and I'm going to carry the heart of the Father. As young men, you can carry the heart of the Father. You don't have to wait till you grow up and get married. You can have the influence. You can have a fatherly influence on people around you, even your peers, even your classmates. You can, have, you can carry the heart of Father God wherever you go. That is a high and holy calling. Lord, it is a high and holy calling. You are the one who sent your very son to be crucified for us. You gave everything. You give and you give and you give. 
Lord, we want to be like you. We want to be like you, Lord, who are willing to surrender everything, to bless those who curse. Lord, you send the rain to bless both the good and the evil. You send the sunshine to bless the good and the evil. You've created mountains to bless the good and the evil. And we want to be like you. We want to carry the heart of the Father and say, I will bring blessing to this world everywhere I go that will walk in the footsteps of Yeshua, that he blessed everywhere he went, that he blessed everywhere. And they marveled at the gracious words that fell from his lips because he imparted grace with the words that he spoke. He could be around the worst of sinners and impart grace to them. He didn't compromise. He stood for holiness and righteousness and purity, but his words imparted grace. They said they marveled at the words, the gracious words that fell from his lips that brought the grace of God. Lord, I pray for every man in here to bring gracious words to our children, to bring gracious words to our wives, to bring gracious words to those we work with, those we play with. Lord, that we will be the heart of the Father to this lost world. And we'll give a clear call to say, come and follow the one who created you to be a man, to be a woman. Lord, just impart, impart the heart of the Father right now. Impart, impart, Lord.